Welcome to Midnight Menu Plus One. I'm Ray Kanata. And I'm Margo Moss. Midnight Menu Plus One is a food lifestyle show on the podcast network. It's NewOrleans.com. Brought to us tonight by Petite Pet Care. While you're at work or on vacation, you don't have to board your pet. He can stay in the comfort of his own home. For loving care when you're not there, Petite Pet Care. Find them at PetitePetCare.com. Now, each week on Midnight Menu Plus One, Margo and I invite a member of New Orleans restaurant and food community to join us for conversation, and we invite them to bring along their own guest, a plus one. We never know who the plus one is going to be. Sometimes it's a friend, a neighbor, a family member, a fellow restaurant colleague. Well, tonight we're at the Tap Room. NOLA Brewing's Tap Room is NOLA Brewing's on-site watering hole located in the Irish Channel. The Tap Room serves NOLA's regular lineup of craft beers as well as Eight specialty brews you can't get anywhere else. Open weekdays from 2 to 11 p.m. and weekends from 11 a.m. to 11.30 p.m. Now, our special guest tonight on Midnight Menu Plus One is Chef Jean-Pierre Guidry. That's a fun name to say. Uh, Executive sous chef of Trinas. Cannot wait to talk to him and his mystery guest in just a moment. But before we, um, before we have Chef Guidry join us, Margot, I just wanted to mention one notable uh, food experience of the week. Okay. Uh, one among many. Um, my first time in New Orleans, my first weekend here, was over nine and a half years ago, and uh, it was the week before Katrina. And uh, for lunch after church, I went to Martin's Wine Cellar, the one on Barone. You know, they have one on Magazine Street, and there's another one out in the Burbs somewhere. But in uh, but but on Barone, there's the flagship one, right? And um, and uh, I had a great experience there. It's nice deli. It was just magical for a lot of reasons, maybe. But the food was really great too. And of course, then the storm came a week later, and we moved here a couple months after that, and never saw Martin's Wine Cellar. It's been closed ever since until a few weeks ago, and went back again after church, again after church on uh, same church um, last Sunday, and with some friends, and it was fantastic. And we had just had. I mean, the the, the variety was terrific. All kinds of great sandwiches and. Salads and I store. I stared at all this great wine, and uh, I'm trying to. I'm trying to lose a pound or two before before I squeeze into my gold lame jumpsuit <laughs> for Mardi Gras. So I didn't get any wine, but I'll be back in a few weeks to get a bunch more. But are you a wine a Martin wine cellar fan? You must have grew yes. up with it, right? Yes, yes, and I'm I'm really thrilled that they are uh, back up and running. And I I have not been, but I heard the space is nice too a lot of natural light and uh, oh it's beautiful and it's a lot bigger than i remember it being before i think it's much larger than it was there must there had to be 20 tables at least for seating and then the wine area was massive i mean it's probably four times as big as the other place on magazine just the wine part so and liquor too it was oh, awesome great. that's exciting yeah i was really uh, you have anything uh, worth mentioning this week well i had got a snack today and it was noteworthy i stopped at the uh district uh, district Donuts, the one, well, the new the, one or the Yeah, District Pan Pie and Coffee on Magazine yeah, Street. Right here, I, yeah, I love that place. And I had the, uh, it was called uh, the Beef Wellington, mm-hmm. but it had, it was like shredded beef with uh, maybe prosciutto wrapped around it. Oh, wow. And then a piece of foie gras on top. Come on. Wow. <laughs> of, the, of the pie. And it was very good. There's nobody else that has that in the world in a pie. That's it. Just well, there. I, well, yeah, I'm never, I've never not had that like that before, so wow. it was delicious. That's cool. But, that place uh, is what about maybe a hundred square feet? 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, that. you know who the landlord is? Is our guest last week? It was Scott Wolf. Is the mm-hmm. uh, is the landlord for that and place? The, yeah. And the folks from District Donut. And well, it's cute. And we've had they them have, on our show before. Yeah, they had benches um, mounted to the outside of the building. Yeah. Like little one person, one seat benches. Yeah. What it's are cute. those? Those are like those are vintage from something. They're like from. They're like weird old metal. I don't. I don't know what those things are. are they from like a carnival or. I don't know. They're like seats. I swear they're like from a ride or something. They're kind of cool It looks looking. like, well, they, these look handmade to me. I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what they are, but they're uh, wooden handmade little benches. Yeah, those it's things cute. are cool. Yeah, I love it. A great so, spot. All right. Well, I'm excited to get talking to Chef Jean-Pierre. So Welcome. Good to have you here. How you doing? Yeah, good to see you again. <clears throat> now, before we, I... Uh, get into all your history i want to uh know the will you tell us the name of the restaurant where you currently reside and uh where the name comes from um well it's uh restaurant chanas and the name comes from it is uh cut cut in the marsh um so a cajun canal so it's uh lead to the honey hole in the swamp all right. Yeah. So when I mean, you say cut, it's because it's drier there. You can walk no, on it. No, they're man-made cuts. It's, yeah. it's a ditch. It's man-made. That What's they a take, ditch? Okay. They take mud boats and they go through and just keep passing through and passing through until you make a, a passage through the main bayous in, huh. in the swamp. And it's just uh, small enough to get a mud boat or a piroga machine through. Yeah. And that cool. uh, that would be a motorized mud boat. Now, was that your idea? I know you you are you were in, you started the, you were you were in the starting team at the restaurant, right? Uh, I, I came on when the restaurant was being uh, finalized. Okay, okay. Um, so you the name, so the, the name, name was comes, already there. Yeah, the name was already there and it, it, it actually drew me to uh join the team. Because <laughs> sure. you're as Cajun as they get, right? Um I am, yes. Um yes. <laughs> 100%. Tell us about where you, uh, where you grew up and uh, uh, I grew up on Bayou Lafourche uh, in Galliana, Louisiana. <clears throat> uh, yeah, very special place. Uh, uh, we lived off the land, you know, seafood. I mean, the stories that uh, most people talk about about Cajun people. I mean, I am that. I mean, I, whenever I got babysit, I was put on a feet skiff and sent out twenty minutes into the marsh where people lived. And, and that's true stories. People talk about that as jokes, but it's real. Wait, wait, say that again. What happened? You were uh, babysat. Yeah, when I the people who babysat me, they picked me up um, at, at a boat launch and on feet skiff, which you typically would shrimp on. Okay. And uh, they would take me back to their home where uh, where they lived. And so instead of driving in a car to the babysitter's place, you went across the, the yeah, marsh. These were these um, they were <laughs> Cajun Indian uh, folk from back home and. Uh, yeah, my dad actually had the, the kids couldn't go to school, so uh, my dad was the president of the school board. So he lined up buses that would pick them up at the boat launch, and that's how we met these people. And uh, they became my uh, nannies, if you wait. Will. So they'd have to take a boat to the boat launch to get on the bus to go to school. Yeah, because so their house was inaccessible except by boat. Correct. Were they on an island or something, or they were just? Uh, no, they were on Bayou Falala, okay. which is uh, behind Golden Meadow. That sounds made up by follow a lot. It's amazing. It is very true. <laughs> Real place. I'm living proof of it. <laughs> wow. And uh, when you say Cajun Indians, what do you, what, tell us a little um, bit about this. Some like C- Cajun Indians, like, um, I don't know exactly. I mean, Indian heritage, Cajun heritage, I mean, blend. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Did, uh, how old were you when you, when they uh, babysat you? Probably seven, eight years old. I mean, they, they, they babysat us at the house, but when my parents would go out of town, I was, I'm, I'm the baby sick, so um, sometimes I just couldn't make those trips, so they dropped me off at the boat launch. 
<laughs> and did so they that, ever cook for you? I mean, did, did they cook? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you remember? Uh, I, I mean, do I remember that? I was it was a very young age, but um, no. But I mean, these people were very special. I mean, like uh, they added a lot to our heritage and where I'm from, and 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 something not spoke of too much. Um, but uh, it's very unique. I, I remember my mama telling me uh, because I traveled all around the country and the world, and and they, she always told me. You'll be special anywhere you are because huh. of where you're from and what you've experienced, and that was definitely true. Now, you're, did you, were your parents French-speaking? or My father's father only spoke French. Only spoke French. So yeah. You, your father's father had been in Louisiana probably 150, 200 years, whatever it had been, his family had been, and didn't speak any English. Not a lick. Not a lick. Um, and then so, but my father's, my father only spoke French, but, you know, it goes back to they killed the French language in school because, yeah, right. you know, so they... Demanded that he state spoke legislature made you speak English right, yeah. in schools. So, yeah. um, so that died and didn't pass down through me, which is quite unfortunate. Because when your name's Jean Pierre and you work for Danielle Balloud <laughs> and they try to speak to you in French and you can't, <laughs> you're like, but uh, yeah. Wow, that's so interesting. So, what did the people that you went to school with end up doing? What are most of them doing these days? Are most of them chefs in New Orleans, or are they doing other things? The people that I grew up with down the by? Yeah, yeah, like um, the ones you went to they school have with. Some chefs. I mean, it's mostly oil field workers. Um, right. Some family businesses. Some that, fishermen too, I bet. Oh, absolutely. I mean, when I was growing up, I actually almost become a crabber, and I almost bought two hundred fifty traps and and a Lafitte skiff, and and did it that way when I was uh, eighteen years old. Wow. So, what, what inspired you to? Um, not do that and, and leave um, Galliano? Well, uh, my first cooking position was um, at a fast food joint, Mr. Cook. Um, that was my first job. So I've been cooking since then. And then I went to college and uh, took on a job at a place called Cock of the Walk. And uh, <laughs> it, uh, they served grilled catfish and cornbread and all this stuff. And it was really good. And, and uh, I, was, I wanted to go to a concert in um, Athens, Georgia, Widespread Panic. And, <laughs> and they, uh, they were like, you can't get off. And I was like, well, I quit. So <laughs> I quit and went to the concert. And then after that, months later, they just kept calling me to go back to work. So I was like, well, maybe, maybe you're good at this, you know. Uh-huh. So, I, uh, I mean, where I grew up, all you did was cook, you know what I mean? Uh. I mean, everybody, like I'm scrutinized by everybody down there because they think they're a chef. Everybody's a chef. You know There's nowhere I mean? in the country that's as food-centered as Cajun country, right? Don't you think? Um, I think that, that everyone cooks and cooks so well, you know, um, that, yeah, that, that would be accurate. Um, There's nobody indifferent to food there. You never uh, met anybody growing up that was totally indifferent to, to food and didn't have opinions about no, food. No, I mean, it's what we did. I mean, that's all we did. When we hung out, we had yeah. a bonfire and we cooked and we barbecued and we bought crawfish and we had boucheries and, yeah. you know, I mean, we, we did, yeah, I mean, it was part of life. It's what yeah. I am. So they called you, kept calling you, and you were like, hmm, maybe I got something yeah. that sets me a little apart. And, uh, and then what was your next step? My next step, I moved back home to Louisiana. And um, I had a friend who just graduated LSU, and he was like, man, I'm ready to move. And uh, I was like, I am too. <laughs> and so uh, we moved to Denver, Colorado, and uh, I started cooking at uh, the Adams Mark Hotel. And he was my first mentor as a chef. He's the one who got me into CIA. And uh, I stayed with him for a year. I, uh, that's when I got accepted into CIA, and I moved there, and that's where it all Started. Yeah, we should let we should let listeners aren't familiar. That's not the uh, that's not the spy agency. It's the Culinary, uh, Culinary Institute of America. You know, that's yeah. a very funny story yeah. because whenever I, I I called my best friend and his wife was like, 
well, are you going to be able to tell us anything? You know, like, <laughs> I can show you how to make a Berblon. <laughs> and um, your mentor, he was supportive of you going to the Culinary Institute. I mean, did it? He told me he, I had to. And you went to the, the, the one in New York, right? The yeah. flagship. Yes. I think they got some branches around yeah. or whatever. I went to yeah. the main hub. But now they have one in Austin. Yeah. And they have it in Greystone in California. But um, it's it, that's like continued education where you could go for a specific cuisine okay. and, and get work. I mean, uh, the one in Hyde Park and the one in Austin are more... Um, it's full curriculum. Right. So how long was the program? Uh, 20, 21 months. 21 months. Okay. And it's intense, right? It's intense, but um, the, the real luxuries you get out of that is, you know, my getting into a restaurant, Danielle. I mean, because Danielle, this was in 2001, so this is when Danielle only had DB Bistro, um, Cafe Balud, and Restaurant Danielle, which was where I was at. So Danielle was in the building every day. When I got there at 8 o'clock in the morning, we would sit down and talk, which is monumental for any cook's career, you know what I mean? Because he's definitely one of the icons yeah that's like a three-star michelin restaurant yeah and when i was there he was there every day now he has restaurants in singapore vancouver miami Mm -hmm. hong kong you know so he's now he's spread out but when i was there he was there every morning so it was pretty special to me in my career so what uh can you remember some of the things that he shared with you besides the experience i mean are there things that stand out that uh he uh some things that he just, he always talked to me about philosophies of France as according to America. I can remember one thing he's like always talked about, like a raw onion on a hamburger. He said he, he, that was just not sophisticated and stuff like that. It, like uh, just his thoughts on f- American culinary world and France because they're purists. They live off the land. They... You know, it's just different. But, um, yeah, we had talks like that. But, I mean, he's a very intense man. And uh, and he was there and, and, and a lot of stuff. And I moved to New York whenever, uh, less than a month after September 11th. So oh, wow, yeah. It was a pretty pretty special time in yeah. New York. Wow, yeah. So what, what, how would you get his attention? Like, how, why, why was he giving you sort of uh, sp- uh, specific attention? What was it about you? Uh, he didn't give it to me. I took it. <laughs> um, I would go sit in his office and, and ask for help because um, I was a canapé chef, so I had to come up with seven different amuse-bouche every day, which is very challenging for a cook who's been cooking for three years. And, um, and I was trying so hard. But, I mean, I think still today, if I had to go do that, you know, every day I have seven different microscopic, you know, tastes that have to blow people's mind. Because I can remember when he, Jean-Pierre, what do you have that will blow me away, he would say. (laughs) 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 No, but, uh, but yeah, it's pretty cool. Did you realize um, that you had so much creativity? I mean, did did you surprise yourself of what Uh, you could... Uh. No, I, I questioned it more than surprised uh, <laughs> myself. Yeah, I mean, I would I worked six days a week, and I would go to bed maybe on a Saturday night at 3.30 in the morning, and I would wake up on Sunday at 7 p.m. when cars, you could hear the cars passing, and that was your day off, and then I'd start reading again. Huh. That's pretty much what it was. Huh. So it sounds like you're pretty confident, though, huh? I mean, you just really, where, where'd that come from? Um, your ability to just be gutsy like this in a place. I mean, you must have felt like a little bit of a fish out of water, so to speak, in New York, right? You didn't grow up in a place much like that. And then to be so gutsy uh, uh, with a world-class guy like that, had, wh- like, where'd that come from? What do you think? 
my confidence. Yeah, yeah. Where do you, where, where do you think that I came from? I don't know from? if it was confidence. always that way? Or? At that time, it wasn't confidence. It was uh, the will and how much I cared and who I wanted to be. Right. I think. So it's more drive towards your goal than confidence in I'm who you are. Very resilient yeah. because yeah. I failed a lot there, um, but was never going to quit. And I think they saw that and appreciated that. Um, they wanted me to go back and work there, but it was really, really trying at that time in New York. Um, after that, I mean, my birthday's on October 4th, and that's when I started there. Wow, um, right. Three weeks after. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it was really, really, you know, it was really uh, scary there at, that, at yeah. that time. Yeah, I was living in a suburb 45 minutes from there at the time, you know. We had so all, all our friends working in the city, and it was just terrifying. I remember that day. It was just yeah. unbelievable. I'll never forget that day. Yeah. Well, look, it looks like your plus one is here. Absolutely. Why don't you introduce who he is and uh, tell us why you selected him and what your, what your relationship is. And Absolutely. Let us know um, about him. This is Patrick James. He is our new general manager, and I think he's going to bring a lot to our company. And um, really have, happy we have him aboard. Welcome. Hey, everybody. Hi. Thanks for having me aboard. Appreciate it. Thanks for uh, joining us. So um, where, where are you from? Uh, born and raised here in New Orleans. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Add that piece to Trinas. You know, the, uh, we've got the influences of uh, the deep south Louisiana and the influences from the Gulf Coast. I kind of round everything in with being a New Orleanian. All right. Yeah. When, uh, and what is, where were you before you uh, joined well, I grew, up, I grew up in New Orleans. But, I mean, where were you working? What, 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 what do you bring as far as work experience? I used to run Palace Cafe. used to be the gym at Palace oh, Cafe, yeah. Redfish Grill, um, Chop House New Orleans, huh, okay. uh, most recently. All right. Um, but, the, you know, the restaurants here in New Orleans, you know, we've got quite a few here. So um, trying to separate ourselves from everybody else. Being a leader in our market, focusing on the seafood pieces and the the origins of the Gulf Coast seafood with the Southern Flair, South Louisiana Flair, is the brand basically that we're building in the Intercontinental Hotel. So did did uh, how did you get involved in food? I mean, was it was that, you've always been in the food? When industry? I was a kid, instead of hanging out with dad working on cars, I was hanging out with mom in the kitchen, <laughs> and then that kind of progressed. You know, being in New Orleans, I don't know why everybody doesn't do what I do. I love music. You know, I love food. Uh, I spent my early years with Emeril Lagasse uh, before the cookbooks and the cooking shows. So we kind of, you know, we kind of had a, a fraternity of people that came from there, kind of rewriting our own rules. We didn't really have to follow a lot of conventional Now, how were you invo- affiliated with Emeril? Uh, I worked, I helped him open NOLA and the Fish House in Vegas. Huh. Uh, and I came from the original one on Chapatulas and Camp. Huh. Um, that was just my way of paying through uh, graduate school. And then uh, decided that when I got my first management position with Emerald, um, it was either sit in front of a computer working on numbers or have, have all this fun. So that's where my career kind of changed paths right there, huh. midstream. And... Uh, Still use a lot of sitting in front of numbers, but spend most of my time out there with guests. You know, great food. All that right. experience. So you bounced around a bunch of places, huh? I mean, have you stayed anywhere? Where was, where was the longest that you that you stayed? Mostly with Palace Cafe. Okay, how long was that? 
about five years. Okay. Oh, Palace Cafe. I have not been in a little while, but um, they have the best white chocolate bread pudding. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, I mean, I just, I mean, and I'm not a big dessert person, (laughs) but that is just um, so divine. I just... uh, and, and that's and that's a lot for the for a particular bread pudding to stand out because this town has such yeah great, everybody thinks they can do everybody thinks they can do bread pudding yeah, but so I, I really you've feel had that thousands and thousands of different bread puddings over the years in this town so that so that, that one to stand out that means it, that means something well yeah, yeah to me it does I mean I remember it well and where I got lucky again with Trinas is uh, I was able to um, take a lot of that authentic. Uh, style food. There's a lot of restaurants in New Orleans, like I mentioned earlier, but there's not a lot of bona fide food. There's not a lot of authentic food. Everybody's kind of copying each other, mm. you know. And uh, so the experience that I've gotten in Trinas, where I've been lucky, is like my career. I've had I've had the opportunity to come across that that truly authentic um, flavor profiling creations and creating that within the brand. It's been very exciting. Hmm. You know, I don't think I would have had this. I, I, I've been just extremely fortunate. So how does that translate, like, when you were in Vegas? How, yeah. how... Because everybody thinks authentic when they think Vegas. There's nothing, <laughs> there's nothing fake about Vegas. <laughs> but, I mean, how do you maintain... The food is incredible. There's some incredible yeah, places, no, no. but... I didn't say there yeah, wasn't, yeah, but, yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah. I know, but, but how do you feel that you could bring your culture and your I mean how do you introduce that in a in a environment like that yeah I mean everything's a caricature in Vegas right basically right <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it's thousands of caricatures well that's what we did we did that whole that southern hospitality piece that focus on the local product the seasonal product the you know surrounding ourselves with great uh, culinary uh, masters um, that kind of thing uh, trying to create a sense of, you know, how do you translate this to the rest of the world, I guess. That, that's where we were successful. I know that there's other restaurants that have opened in Vegas that they'll train the leaders from Las Vegas instead of from where they came from. Okay. And uh, possibly separating ourselves from other people as well in teaching that whether it be in the service pieces or the creating the food, the masterpieces in, in the kitchen. And we did it from New Orleans. That's what we created. And so that's what separated us from other restaurants. Other restaurants were not successful. They came from big cities like Chicago and New York and didn't translate well in Las Vegas mm-hmm. because they hired Las Vegas people to open and do those pieces, those critical pieces. And so now that's, um, is that part of the reason why, like you're saying, you, you bring that to the restaurant and y'all have a lot of strong influences and obviously very qualified, wonderful people. Exactly. Again, again, I was really f- very fortunate to surround myself with a really strong team of people that um, were able to pull off that, that New Orleans piece combined with that Gulf Coast piece. Mm-hmm. Um, that all those pieces together really make it really separate us from other people and being in a in a hotel i mean that i would imagine for some other people that could be challenging but because 
you you have experience right in our our storefront location we separate ourselves there's a trend that started about a dozen years ago where hotels were focusing on restaurants that weren't hotel restaurants they tried to build a brand within a brand okay there's a lot of restaurants in town that do a really good job at it uh dominica and the roosevelt Mm. for example um restaurant revolution in the royal sinesta yeah and the key here is is that you create the brand separate from the hotel. Nothing wrong with the hotel. They have great resources, great assets. Um, but focusing on our vision, which is specific to that, like I said, Gulf Coast seafood with a South Louisiana flair. So who, so who owns uh, Trinas? I mean, is it... Is it um... uh, Chef Jim Richard. Okay, so it's not owned at all by the hotel. No, sir. Okay, that's interesting. And so that's the, that's the key, and that's really part of the key is not that the hotel couldn't do it it's just making the food the flavor profiles that branding of the the food and the service is separate from what the hotel does but just out of circumstance where this is more of a creation of chef jim richard the service piece and the food piece that's what's going to separate us from the city plus you know as well much less the hotel so, I mean, in theory, the restaurant could move to another location and be separate from the hotel. There's nothing sort of intrinsic about the restaurant that, that ties it to the hotel other than you've you partnered can, you together can, yeah, for the you space. Can, you can charge food in the, in the restaurant on the right. hotel. So the amenity that the hotel gets with that is, they, is, they, is, is by building and helping Trinos be successful, this is going to help them sell right. their rooms and so forth. Right. Yeah, and I mean... We've always been a, a city that welcomes people from out of town and that enjoy our food and lifestyle here. Right. So it's just uh, making it a little more accessible to those people. And it, so, and I would, uh, so can guests get food in their room? I mean, do y'all? No, keep, no, that's more of the room service piece. Okay, that's, that's separate. separate. Yeah, so there's there's food and beverage that's separate from okay. what Chernos would do. Uh, but you can charge on the room okay, itself. Okay, well, that's great. Yeah, and you can go, mm-hmm. you know, to help them build. That's how they do their ratings. A lot of hotel ratings, they try to get a diamond or a star rating. In order to get that rating, they have to have that food and service piece, that mm-hmm. food and beverage piece. So this helps, uh, this helps the hotel on a number of different levels. Okay. So, Jean-Pierre, what was attractive to you about, uh, about this vision that they developed that you came into sort of as they were about to open? What was it, uh, what was it about? It was attractive to... about <laughs> yeah, yeah. called Trinos. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I grew up, I grew <laughs> up going down Trinos's to go duck hunting. Yeah. I, mean, the, I mean, the restaurant itself, the way it's designed, I mean, it, it was just meant to this be. This whole brand that he's been talking about, this is something that sort of matched what you well, wanted to be doing. The brand, I mean, yeah. it's, you know, it's Gulf Coast cuisine with the southeastern yeah. Louisiana reach. I mean, it's... it's it's um, rustic. It's what I believe in. It's it's right. part of who I am. I mean, um, right. just the name and Jim Richard's philosophies and everything they do and the way we build our team and the way we do day-to-day business is unlike any restaurant in the city. Now, how did it differ from now? You worked in Lillette and you were at Commanders, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, when you came back to town before you were here. How does it differ? Um, how, how does the menu differ and your uh, creative freedom differ here uh, where you are now from where you were? Um, I guess it's a little more rustic um, in nature. I mean, our our food is uh, 
it's you know we don't have a tasting menu we we you know our gumbo is is different than any gumbo in town i mean it's like really really dark roux i mean it's super flavorful i mean <clears throat> it's just different conceptually altogether um i think ours is uh based on you know some of jim's family and and brandon janka's family and so you know we have a mimos press sandwich uh fresh crab pool boy on the menu and that's a nice. brand brandon's uh grandmother's recipe and then we have uh wait describe that a little bit it is amazing. <laughs> so, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh mimos pressed uh pool boy sandwiches uh so we sweat down onions and um celery with a little garlic um we hit that with lemon juice and we cool that down and then we add a uh, claw crab meat to that and then we take um Ladenheimer's bread mayo cabbage and uh some of the um, Mimos spread, and we put American cheese on that, and we put it in a press, and we press it, and it is amazing. And uh, a lot of the recipes in our restaurant are from... If anybody Brand- listening to that is, does not get hungry from that, just stop listening to our show. <laughs> don't, don't ever listen again. You're not going to like us. That's, the that's one amazing. Thing, you know, I'd, I'd like to... I mean, our, I was asked, uh, do you think your restaurant's fine dining? And uh, I mean, we're casual fine dining, but... Um, I mean, the food we serve is just good. I mean, it's plain and simple. There's no fluff. It's um, the simple things done right, and that's always been my philosophy, and I wouldn't change a thing about it. So sort it. of honest, authentic, it's, it's, you know, it's what you see is heart. what you get. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's nostalgia. It's, pretending you know, to be something it isn't. We're not taking any shortcuts. There's a lot of building of flavors. There's so many layers to the flavors. You see a lot of kitchens, for example, the crab meat, the crab bisque. The, a lot of the chefs in New Orleans will add bread pieces to the bisque to build a thickness or a consistency. Right. Ours goes through these these like multiple steps that building the flavors. Most restaurants you'd see, they'll do maybe the first, say, half dozen steps to build the most basic essential flavors. Here we're we're spending a lot of time, effort, and love to the simplest of flavors and we're simply building it into it. You can almost see a story about Ternas by just simply looking at the gumbo, tasting the gumbo, and then comparing it to what it looks like and tastes like in the rest of the city. Mm. The thinness and the darkness of the gumbo is more reminiscent of a place outside of New Orleans, okay? But our gumbo works here because that's the building of the layers and flavors, and it turns out that it happens to be a Lafayette style of gumbo, Mm. for example. And that's, uh, like you said, I'm just reiterating what you said, but to me, that's <clears throat> like how I grew up eating. And it, it didn't matter. You didn't have, you didn't, that's how people cook in their home. They, they, it's celebrating the ingredients and you're with family and it's, uh, time is not, it's not a, you don't rush things. And, uh, that's wonderful that y'all are, uh, putting that out because it, I think that can get lost in a lot of places understandably but you know it's uh right in our business taking taking cutting corners and, and taking shortcuts sometimes is the difference between making money and not making money at all hmm. so it makes sense why there's a lot of places that do it like that it really does hmm. yeah but it's exciting y'all are well some doing of those it. things and and taking shortcuts and trying to make something happen in a half an hour rather than an hour jim richard's philosophy is if you have to force it, it wasn't meant to be. Mm-hmm. So um, I now is he Cajun as well? 
Yeah, he's from Rain, Louisiana. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. And he was in Florida, right? I mean, he's he has been all over, but he's been in Florida for for quite some time. He was at Commanders for a while, um, but he's been around. Um, he's opened quite a few restaurants, um, but now Stinky's is our um, mother flagship right, right now, um, and it's very good. Um, so if you find yourself in Santa Rosa Beach, go eat. <laughs> and uh, what do you think? I mean, you, maybe we'll have him on, so you don't have to speak for him. But what what would you? think why has he come back now at this time and and wanted to collaborate and and um i mean i i could i could tell you one thing and it it it, just seeing fresh ladenheimer bread in his kitchen which you can't get in santa rosa beach you know um (laughs) uh it it's you know him i think he just wants to leave his mark in new orleans as well as i do um but um you know uh He's just a very special man, and everybody, all the owners and, and all the talent, and, and I've never worked for anybody I'd ever want to work for. Again, I mean, he's just the way they do things, and and they do things as a team, and I'm talking about everything as a team. And, I mean, you... What does that mean? Um, How does that look? It means that in some kitchens, you know, um, it's very in, individualized, and um, um, we're family. And, I mean, you know, people say it all the time, but this is reality. This is who we are. Uh-huh. We do everything together. The front of the house, the front of the house, and the back of the house. We are one family. It's not divided. I mean, Christmas morning together, uh, Thanksgiving meals together. What does that mean? Like we're, we're family. Absolutely. Really? Because we're wide open. That was our busiest <laughs> two days this year. Oh man, you don't get to go home for Christmas. Um, I was home. <laughs> okay. Okay. Aww. And she came visit, so uh, okay. I made it essentially home. <laughs> My girlfriend. All right. Uh, well, speaking of that, we I want to know a little bit about y'all's um, when. You know, the restaurant business is uh, commanding, I'm sure, of your time. And uh, both of y'all are, have families, significant others? Um, no, I have the best girlfriend in the world, though. <laughs> um, what makes her the best girlfriend in the world? Uh, she's one in a million. She Cajun, too? No, she is just uh, very unique in ways <laughs> that, um, I don't know, she's the, got the biggest heart. I've ever met. I mean, she's just a sweetheart. She lives in New Orleans, I hope. Yeah. Yeah. And she oh. understands the... Uh, <laughs> she deals with me. All right, you can tell us the truth when she's not here. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, 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 that was that. What would she do? What does she do? Yeah. She's the event coordinator at Commander's Palace. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay, so she can relate to the lifestyle, and uh, it's, uh, it wasn't a shock when you uh, no. signed on That's to That's how we met. We met at Commander's Palace. Okay. I'm having deja vu. I remember she was here before, wasn't she? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, and what about you? Do you have a, a time for a personal life? Yes, I do. I have, a be- I have a beautiful son. He's 17 now, so he needs me less and less every day. But um, he's been involved in a lot of the projects that I do. He's come to the kitchen with me before and works, you know, making and coordinating those two things in with the, the world that we do, this worshiping in an altar that we do with the restaurant business is critical. Um, so to make it work, we usually incorporate everything together. All right. And well, he's, uh, is he uh, in, have any interest in the food industry? As, or? He does, not as much as uh, he thinks he does. I mean, he <laughs> actually knows his way around the kitchen a lot easier than, than most 17-year-olds. Uh, he likes to eat like a 17-year-old, <laughs> uh, so that part's easy. Um, but uh, I, hope he, I hope he eats better than my 15-year-old. 
My 15-year-old, just to aggravate me, eats, you know, insists on fast food all the time. Right. And, you no, know, no. Chain it's restaurants. A it's a challenge. Yeah. Trying to work away from that. And, and so we, we work on a lot of techniques with, look how easy this is to create a, you know, to make a soup at, at, at home. You know, we don't have to go to the Raising Cane's or Burger King or something. <laughs> you know, we can do this in our own kitchen. Do they serve soup at Burger King? <laughs> you know, we can do all this easy. And he's seen those techniques. Uh, by working in some kitchens, so it's, right. it's exciting. Cool. So hopefully he gets an interested soon enough. Well, I think it's time for our off the menu question. These are things that uh, you wouldn't get on a, a, a regular job application for a, a, a fine dining experience like Trinash. So um, uh, let me ask you, Chef. Um, if okay, your your uncle works for NASA, and you're, you you you, um, you you find out that the meteor is hitting the world, and uh, it's all coming to an end tomorrow. And you got three meals left, and it's your day off. You know, where 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 would you go in New Orleans? Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Uh, and what would you get? Breakfast, lunch, and dinner in New Orleans. And it can't be your place. Yeah. Where you I knew she was going to say that. <laughs> yeah. um, breakfast, I would go to. These are tough questions. I don't know. I'm trying to think. Um, breakfast. I would probably go to Camellia Grill. All right. Yeah, um, Camellia Grill. And then for um, lunch, I'm a big fan of Houston's. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, consistency is hard to find, and they are very consistent. Didn't see that coming. That shocked me. Okay, oh, keep going. Love it. Well, okay. that's also an nostalgia. where my daddy used to take me when I grew up. All um, right. And then outside of that... Um, had a brief me on this one. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd probably go to Herb Saint. I All right. Like it a lot. All cool. Right. What would you get? You got a favorite dish there or anything? I like the carbonara. All right. Deep fried poached egg. Oh, oh nice. Ooh. All right. All right. Uh, I'm s you have to answer the same question because I was I was prepared to ask. Chef, uh, I, c I cut so Margot off. Okay. No, no, that's sure. all right. So, uh, what w what would be your three? Uh well, breakfast would either be um, local farmers market. I go grab whatever they got and make something with it. Probably uh, um, bread and vegetables and make a breakfast out of it. Uh, an easier route would be La Panisha, I suppose, in the Marini. Uh -uh. Um, for lunch, I'd go to the butcher. Nice. Um, and Push get a butcher. nice big old corn. Yeah. Corned beef, something, something, <laughs> whatever they call it there, and then get two. You're gonna die tomorrow. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and then dinner. I really like Giacomo's a lot, but I All mean, right. Gotro's when I want to spoil myself. All right, nice. Okay. Uh, I'm chef. I'm, I'm sensing the chef wants to revise his answer. We had him under the gun. <laughs> yeah. He's got. He's got a. <laughs> his his buddy that works at wherever is going to be on his case now. Like, why you did you had a chance to give me a plug and you didn't. Uh, so, um, well, I want to know, did you, have you ever worked in a kitchen? Yes. I love the kitchen as a matter of fact. In fact, what I, what, what makes it really interesting about Trinas and this connection that we were talking about being on the same page is that I see a lot of, uh, what chef Jim and chef Jean are talking about. Uh, but I don't, I don't think it's necessarily is focused it's a chef driven concept 
So what works really well is that because I'm now part of this chef-driven concept, that I'm already there. I already see the ingredients. I already see the sort of 3D expo that's going on with the food before it comes out to the ki to the dining room. Um, but I love the whole stock preparation, the prep and paste piece, uh, really seeing the ingredients. Where do they come from? I want to know why we have them, to what degree we cook with them. And you see that building of layers of flavor that I was talking about. One of the first things I noticed when I got to work in the kitchen and, and got my job was seeing this building of layers of flavor. So it wasn't just these basic ingredients that anybody can work with. It was the way they built these layers of flavors that I saw. And that process by which you're building it, I don't think is easy for the naked eye to see. And so I love being in the kitchen, spent a lot of time in the kitchen. Um, but that's what the experts are here for. Yeah. That's why they're here. Have you ever um, worked in a kitchen yourself? I mean, prior to this, is that was that part of uh, coming up in yeah, your... Yeah, more of, more of as a development piece, you know, and the, at the same time training those management skills that say you don't really get in a lot of the cooking schools. The cooking school shows you how to make really great food and focus on things like food cost and how to make it really pretty, uh, but the management skills as far as how to deal with people and how to work with people, and the way I trade it off is... Uh, spend a season or two working on different departments. For example, I learned how to butcher rabbits one summer in oh. a kitchen. And so it's not just a matter of just here's a knife and here's a rabbit. Like I needed a butcher to really show me how to do it, and I watched him do it. So a lot of my education didn't come from formal CIA training like uh, Chef Jean here. It's been more from just working in the kitchens mm. itself. Now, do y'all, um, so you, uh, Chef, you've had a lot of mentors. Is that important to you? I mean, have you, do you find, I know you said y'all are a family, but do you um, find inspiration in um, teaching other people and, and having that kind of, uh, you know, influence? Do you enjoy well, that, I mean, or are you just doing what you do? I mean, it's the job of a chef. I mean, you are a teacher. I mean, it's everything you do. You teach. I mean, the main focus of a chef is constantly fixing things and training and, and taking these people and trying to take them to the next level and give them everything you have. And the way I was given those things was a little more harsh. Um, you know, in French kitchens, it was uh, pretty tough and really uh, mental it was uh it was challenging um and now working with the new group uh word of mouth group um it's just a completely new philosophy that makes sense i mean it's just like i mean we work you know 65 70 hours a week i mean if you do that and you're being constantly screamed at or which in a lot of kitchens that's how it works or if you're actually nurtured and given the proper information to be successful, you know, that's the difference. But, I mean, you also have to have people who care and want to learn. But, yeah, being a teacher and, I mean, just like working with these kids, I have these, you know, 22 and 27-year-old sous chefs, I mean, two younger ones. And, I mean, just to see how talented they are and, and the respect they have for me and they just met me, um, it's just really, really rewarding for me. But, um, 
we have a very, very special team, and we're going stronger by the day. Now, Chef, a couple of weird questions for you. One is um, we had a Cajun-raised uh, um, chef on here a few weeks ago, and he shocked us with uh, the uh, kind of uh, – like he, he said growing up, you know, he ate lots of roadkill and lots of, you know, squirrels and, you know, stuff like that. Did you road ever eat kill. any weird? Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on. He Did didn't he? say he ate roadkill. He kind of said he ate roadkill, didn't he? Well, I mean, no, roadkill no, could no, be no, an no. alligator ran over. And yes. I All mean, right. Yeah. Anyway, okay. Well, I'll, 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 we won't debate this right now. Let me, okay. let me, let me shift. Sorry. I just odd odd animals that odd we normally animals. that we normally don't eat that normally aren't available in menus. Is there anything? I thought you meant Did you grow up with any like? No. Never ate a nutri in my life. If that, never, that's what, that kind that's of what stuff. I'm hearing. Yeah, yeah, no, never. Okay. No. So there's not a, okay, so no, my question is void then. I was going to ask you, is, is there an animal that you, you ate growing up that you really just can't serve here, isn't available to you here, anything like that? Maybe, maybe there's a fish equivalent of that. No, because know. again, I mean, the people I ate, you know I mean? We threw drum back. We didn't eat cheap <laughs> You know what I mean? And we right. serve it and people love it and it actually tastes good. But I mean, I didn't know that until I got here to New Orleans. I mean, because <laughs> even the poorest of the poor threw that back. Yeah, that's what I heard. Uh-huh, I heard drum used to be that like that in New Orleans twenty years yeah, it was ago. Trash. Yeah. No more. It was trash fish and now it's become more of a it's but, become I mean, more of a high end thing. The question but, you ask, I mean yeah. everybody was a chef where I grew up. And right. I mean, they were good. I mean some I mean some of my friends, Look, I didn't mean that as an insult. I mean oh, I'm not sure at all. I'm sure I'm sure squirrel People in the hands of Cajun eat. is way better than steak in the hands of guys in Jersey. I, I guarantee it. <laughs> <you know? laughs> well, I know people who have, who have had Nutra and and said it's good. I mean, but back home, I never heard one person eat okay. Nutra. That's just I'm, I was interested in that. And then the other thing I wanted to ask is: uh, Is there anybody? Is there anything that people order a lot in the restaurant? Sort of a favorite that you just don't really you know, a dish that maybe is not your favorite, but is a customer favorite. Something that. You wish people ordered a little less of. You know, no. you get sick of making. There's nothing on the menu uh, right now. You don't keep anything on the menu that you don't pretty much like cooking uh, or well, enjoy well, eating. We collaborate all of our menus, so that okay. I don't have that. We make those choices as a team. Okay. But um, no, I, I, I'm. I love everything we have on the menu. I mean, are there certain things that I have a different opinion on? Right. Yeah, but I mean, there's nothing on our menu that I think shouldn't be there. Yeah, I, I just remember what was the, what was the dish in Treme? Do you remember? You ever watched the show Treme? It was a dish that it. she had that became the signature dish of the restaurant she was cooking at. Drove her crazy because she hated it. I re- yeah, I remember yeah. that. I don't remember. I can't remember what it is now. I wouldn't know in six months That's ago. Hilarious. It's fading now. Well, we did have some. Uh, what was it? Some uh, some some pig cheeks this <laughs> afternoon. Cheeks. Some That's pork delicious. cheeks. Yeah. And uh, people thought that was a little strange. And then of course they tasted it and they thought it was a great dish. <laughs> but at first it comes off as. Really? Delicious. <laughs> <laughs> but they're so good. I don't know what sounds bad about that. Pork and cheeks. They all sound great to me. It doesn't sound... It is. <laughs> Only thing better than pork and cheeks or pork and cheeks... Pork cheeks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can you fry them? That sounds even better. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I think we're almost out of time, Martin. Yes. You got one more? Well, I, well, I would like them to uh, tell our listeners of the location, the hours, and, right. um, and, and anything that you want to add you know sure. that we didn't address or. 444 st charles avenue uh storefront for the the intercontinental hotel uh great location for mardi gras coming up um little refuge of sorts because it's so close to the parade route uh we've got a great valentine's day menu coming Val- uh the 14th uh five course meal sixty dollars all right uh we've got some sea scallops some truffled potato and leek soup Belgian endive salad. We've got um, a Louisiana legacy filet mignon dish and a uh, brown butter 
uh, stuffed Nutella crepes mm -hmm. as well. A little stuffed combination Nutella of Nutella crepes, yeah. nice. A little Sounds bit of everything. romantic. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing. The food's extremely sexy. So Valentine's Day, <laughs> sexy food, you really can't miss. <laughs> and and what, what are y'all's hours? We've got uh, um, 10.30 to uh, 3 for lunch, uh, 4 to 11 for dinner. Uh, our bar stays open until midnight. That's seven days a week. Coming into Mardi Gras, we've got Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. We're going to open at 8 a.m. Wow. To do an early brunch menu. Uh, for those four or five days going into Mardi Gras. That's good to know because yeah. sometimes it's hard to get a great meal. Yeah. And uh, I love that y'all uh, stay open till three because I, I like to eat lunch late and it's hard in this city exactly. to, to make it where you want to make it. And we've got a great happy hour menu that you can have in between lunch and dinner. Okay. Uh, great happy hour prices for food and for beverage. Um, but Mardi Gras is going to be exciting. We've got a special tent that we're doing right outside the restaurant that we're going to be serving really tasty dishes. Like um, we've got some red beans and rice. Um, we've got uh, some jambalaya that's going out. We've got um, a mock shoe that we're doing over grits uh, that's going to be fantastic. Really quick, warm, scoop and serve type. Come up and grab a bowl, grab a beer, and then head out to the parade route. Excellent. That's so smart. You there's some restaurants it. that really capitalize on that. I remember Superior Seafood had some stuff like that last year. Sure. There's other places. I went up to a uh, uh, another place. Will remain nameless. It's gone now. Went up there, and they were all they wanted to serve was like you know twenty four dollar dishes. They had to come in and sit down, you know. And it's like, no, I mean we're we're here for a parade. I don't want to miss the parade. What are right. you doing? But and I then, still have a you know. A, a, want good food. I want good food, but I want it a little faster. So, yeah. I mean, there's, there's got to be something, you know, so it sounds like you guys have found a way to yeah, do and that. Yeah, we're, we're literally on the parade. Oh, route. yeah, every parade pretty much is going to go right to but the circle. But we're right, right? Off of the, right off of the route, so we've so it's there's a nice, easy, comfortable yeah. uh, space to come up and, and greet the restaurant and then head back out to the parade. And that's, you know, you just turn around and you're there. Awesome. Wonderful. Well, our special guest tonight on Midnight Menu Plus One was Chef Jean-Pierre Guidry, and his plus one was Patrick James. You can find out more about Trinoche by following the links on our website, itsneworleans.com. And thanks tonight to Petite Pet Care for loving care when you're out at the parade routes eating at Trinoche. Uh, call them up, petitepetcare.com. Thanks also to our host, Nola Brewing. Well, that's it for tonight's show. We'll see you next time at Midnight Menu Plus One. Till then, I'm Ray Kanata. And I'm Margo Moss. Good night. Labor Day signals the unofficial end of summer, but not the end of your outdoor projects. Lowe's helps you do it right and helps you save with Labor Day deals throughout the store. Shop now and get two bags of Stay Green Potty Mix for $12. And keep your lawn looking neat and trim with a Craftsman 2-Cycle 17-inch gas string trimmer, now $20 off at just $119. Whatever's still on your to-do list this Labor Day, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 828. Soil offer excludes Alaska and Hawaii, U.S. only.